You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. So check out the site now for all the good stuff coming out of Week 14 Sunday action. Uh, the playoff picture is updated. We'll have the uh, picks straight up and against the spread already looking at Week 15 in advance there. We also have the power rankings ranking every team from 1 to 32. So check all that good stuff out. We also have an early look at the fantasy football waiver wire, and we'll talk about that tomorrow as we always do on Pickup Tuesday. But first, we got to get to Roundup Monday. Look at all the games here that happened on Sunday. The intense slate of 14 games. A lot of action, a lot of uh, disappointment, a lot of injury, a lot of uh, surprises in a good and a bad way there that came out of the pivotal week here as teams around seasonal fantasy leagues either we're trying to win to get in or win in the playoffs so however you uh, cut it it was a very important week for fantasy football so we got to get you all the most important takeaways from those games and we'll dive right into it because we do have 14 games to talk about let's start with a marquee game for the most part in the early window 1 p.m the Ravens kind of beat the Bills the way we expected. They go into Buffalo 24-17. Lamar Jackson's numbers were not the way you expected, but he got the job done for you in a different way. He was able to only run for 40 yards in this one, but 145 yards passing, three touchdowns, did have an interception. So that's a mild disappointment, but overall to get the three passing scores with that low volume of passing and still get you the 40 rushing yards. I mean, that's a Lamar Jackson type game and a tough matchup. You were thrilled to see that and also thrilled to see that it happened in a different way. You had uh, Mark Andrews have a little knee and thigh contusion and to come out of the game, that was a bit of a hurting thing there because you saw Hayden Hurst go off on a 61-yard touchdown, 3 for 73 on him, catching all three targets. So the other tight end that they drafted last year, actually ahead of Lamar Jackson, he looked good, showed some speed downfield running away from the Bills' defense. So it was one big play, but he made it count there with Andrews out. Willie Sneed and Nick Boyle catch the touchdowns. Two pretty plays there by Jackson in the red zone. So all that said, Mark Ingram, another disappointing game here. 18 touches for only 79 yards. He's been very touchdown dependent. If he doesn't get the touchdown, it's usually been disappointment because of uh, – way the Bills grind here and uh, they were vulnerable against the run it was decent but Jackson really cuts into Ingram a lot because of his running and passing near the goal line and uh, really takes away from his production we've seen that quite a bit this season sometimes they're rolling and they're dominating teams and Ingram and Jackson are both going to get theirs on the ground but in a game like this it wasn't going to happen so Mark Ingram, up and down year. They've managed him, kept him fresh. They haven't given him too many touches, but the explosiveness not necessarily there with Ingram. I mean, it's okay in a PPR when he catches three for 29 there, but again, this offense is kind of like a committee approach in terms of who scores around Lamar Jackson, especially when Andrews is out of the mix. So 
tough one to gauge there, but Jackson really locked into your lineup and another great game for him in the playoffs. And what we thought could be tough, not so much for Jackson. I mean, he really hasn't had uh, many bad games here at all. The season he's gotten done one way or the other, and this was good to see him do it through the air again for another week. Now, the other side with the Bills, uh, we didn't like Josh Allen in this game, and it was brutal. This is one of his worst games of the season easily. 146, gets a touchdown, was sacked six times here, but only nine yards rushing. So that's where you expect the floor from Josh Allen, the rushing, but the Ravens did a great job taking that element away, and really we saw what has to happen with Josh Allen. Is throwing 17 of 39, only 3.7 yards per attempt. So pretty bad game for him. He does get Cole Beasley back in the end zone, 4 for 29 in a tough matchup. So that was good with Marlon Humphrey on the other side. John Brown, 3 for 26 only. Spread around there. Devin Singletary came through in a pretty good game, however. This tough matchup, part of it he has a long 38-yard run. But 23 touches there for 118. You'll take that from your back every time. Wish you could have had the touchdown, but... Singletary's just been pretty solid here as an RB2 down the stretch, and you can't argue about that. But Allen, again, I think we reminded he had a lot of favorable matchups here. Uh, next week is not one. It's at Pittsburgh, so we're going to avoid Allen again. And Singletary could run into a bit of a wall as well. So back-to-back tough defensive matchups here for the Bills. Maybe the wrong time here for the fantasy football playoffs. Our next game, uh, sticking with a... Uh, AFC North theme here. The Browns pulled on to beat the Bengals 27-19, but it was very ugly. I mean, he had a good shot here for Baker Mayfield. He just totally blew it here. 11 for 24, only 192 yards and two interceptions against the Bengals at home. Yeah, that's not good at all. And then there was the controversy after the game where he's talking about Odell Beckham Jr. and whether he needed surgery before the season called out the training staff a little bit two for 39 on five targets for Odell so another disappointing game for Odell four for 76 on seven targets for Jarvis Landry so he's consistent gets the job done and as usual the backs get it done here and uh, you had to be a little peeved again if you're a Nick Chubb owner because he looked fantastic he had a 57 yard run 16 touches for 117 but Kareem Hunt vultures the touchdown he gets 11 touches 68 yards. They end up in standard leagues producing about the same. So a bit uh, frustrating there. But if you're a hunt owner and you're playing him and you're looking for that value like we suggested, that was a good return for sure. Bacon Rayfield does get a rushing touchdown as well. So Chubb doubly hurt with two other people running in for scores here. But overall disappointing performance here for the Browns, kind of like their season has been with their offense and that dysfunction from time to time. That certainly came to fruition here. In a matchup where you thought they would smash it against the Bengals, they do play the Cardinals next week, and we know the Cardinals are giving up a lot to everything at this point. So we'll see. But Odell Beckham Jr. is still hard to trust in a matchup like that even. We're stuck playing him, and that's a tough thing, playing guys like this. We're just stuck because we don't want to miss out on their big game, but we also know that the big game is unlikely to come. So stuck with him. But Landry, Chubb, Hunt, those guys are the principals here of this offense and should keep it going. Next week, and I think Mayfield can also rebound against that Cardinals D. Now, for the Bengals, you have uh, Andy Dalton. He did not look good at all. We liked him as a bit of a streamer in this one. The Browns gave them every opportunity to walk back in the game. They did not. They got stuffed near the goal line a few times, went for it, didn't come away with points. But 262 interception there. 
Tyler Boyd solid five for seventy five on six targets, but on Tate got hurt. John Ross a non factor. Joe Mixon is still the man here. They're still running their offense for Joe Mixon. So as bad as the Bengals have been, they made Joe Mixon the focal point. He has delivered here. Twenty six touches for hundred and eighty six yards for Mixon. So they realize he's the best player. Get him busy. That also cut to Dalton's total as well in this one. But uh, Mixon finishing strong here for sure for the Bengals. Now, all things Bengals could be a little disappointing next week because they are playing the Patriots at home. So that could get a little ugly. I want to avoid all the, the Bengals I can. You're still going to have to play Mixon because of the volume, but you figure the Patriots are going to key in on him. So I would say avoid Mixon in DFS, but you've got to keep playing him now with the volume and production he's uh, given and the talent just is off the charts with him, and we've seen it even on this bad Bengals team. Now, we'll uh, talk about two more games in this segment here, but first got to tell you about Spotify Wrapped. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your Locked On top podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live, and... We will share and retweet there for you. So check that out. Uh, Spotify, good to us here on the Locked On Network. All right, let's continue here looking at the games from the 1 p.m. window. The next one we'll go to, we'll switch from the AFC North to the NFC South. The Falcons, 40-20, to they double up the Panthers at home. We didn't really love Matt Ryan, but in the end he came through here. Really everything of the Falcons came through. 313 and 2 for him. No turnovers there. He had uh, 8 yards rushing. He got the touchdowns to Calvin Ridley. That was not a surprise. 5 for 76. But the other one went to Olamide Zacchaeus. That's right. That's his name. Again, this is one of those guys like uh, Justin Gage, you didn't, or Russell Gage. You didn't know who he was. This was Justin Hardy, those type of players. But one big play to Zacchaeus, that was a big part of uh, Ryan's production there. Otherwise, he was having a quiet day. Calvin Ridley, 5 for 76, caught all of his targets. And TD, he usually dominates the Panthers. And uh, Dante Jackson, that happened again. Julio Jones contained, as usual, by James Bradbury. So those numbers are not surprising. So you expect a lot more when Ryan puts up those digits. But Austin Hooper returned only 2 for 32 on six targets. So Jones and Hooper, rather quiet. Ridley, we knew was going to come through. He's been the most solid, really consistent Falcons receiver this season uh, ever since they traded Muhammad Sanu, getting all the key targets there. Ridley has been outstanding, solid here as a wide receiver, too, and came through again this week. So weird game for them, but Devonta Freeman, we were counting on him to come through. We said, can he do it against this really bad run defense? Still didn't break 100 yards, but got 21 touches for 94 and touchdown. You'll take that for sure for Freeman at this stage of the season. So he didn't disappoint in matchup. It could have been bigger, but they got so far ahead that Brian Hill actually came in 9 for 62 in the score. Remember him when he filled in for Freeman? Did nothing here. That game script helped him uh, deliver here. He gave him 159 more yards rushing the Panthers did, so not a surprise there. Now, on the Panthers side of things, I mean, Kyle Allen has kind of hit a wall here. We're wondering if we'll see Will Greer starting at quarterback here soon. 293 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, five more sacks. So Allen just being overwhelmed right now. It's actually cutting a little bit to McCaffrey, but still caught 11 balls for 82 on 12 targets to add to 53 on the ground. So 
135 scrimmage yards is fine for McCaffrey, but the touchdowns they're missing here the last couple weeks. Uh, Kyle Allen was the offense going in a tank. Ron Rivera is firing. Perry Fuel taking over did not help at all the effort of this team, so really disappointing there. DJ Moore, consistent, solid. Four catches for 81 on sixth. Ian Thomas, as we mentioned, a good pivot away with Greg Olson missing the game with a concussion. He fills in, does his thing, 5 for 57 and a touchdown on 10 targets. So what we're seeing is the shorter passes, not going to be able to get it to Curtis Samuel, only 2 for 25 on 4 targets. So at this point, Kyle Allen, who did also run in a touchdown, pilfered one for McCaffrey, a second straight week with a rushing touchdown. They've got to really look at Greer here. That's a little concerning if you have DJ Moore, because Allen and Moore are kind of locked in together right now. We'll see. They want to audition Greer here in one of the final three games. It's a tough matchup this week for Greer to put in there against uh, the Seahawks. So they might stick with Allen one more week here and uh, look at him over the final two games. But, again, uh, that's something to watch here if they make that change at quarterback just to see what they have because the Panthers out of the playoff race at 5-8 and eight, and they need to start evaluating a little bit more for 2020 here in the final three games. The next game we'll talk about before we take a break is the Redskins and Packers. And this was disappointing. If you had Packers in the passing game, if you had Aaron Jones, you were not. He had 15, 16 carries, excuse me, 134 yards and a touchdown there. Six catches for 58. So it was the Aaron Jones show. I've been waiting for this. He's a boomer bust player. Typically he does well at home, finding in the end zone, and he did that here. So Aaron Jones has been waiting for him to come through. He certainly did. Aaron Rodgers, however, a bit of a grinding game, 195 yards passing only. This Redskins defense, kind of scrappy, kind of stay in the game. They do give up a lot on the ground, but didn't give up too much damage through the air. So Devontae Adams only 4 for 41, Alan Lazard only 2 for 19. So just overall disappointing here from Aaron Rodgers when you thought, oh, the Redskins at home, this is a spot for him to go nuts. They now get the Bears at home, which is not as uh, feeling as friendly anymore. So... We'll have to see if we totally trust Rodgers. I mean, he is at home in Lambeau. You expect him to come through uh, there. But Aaron Jones, I, I think he's right. When Aaron Rodgers says Aaron Jones is more the MVP of this team, I think this offense would look not nearly as good or competent. They only won 20-15 to 15 without uh, the use of Jones here. Even with his up-and-down nature, he's the man here. So he was really the only fantasy asset that came through from the Packers. And, Bears at home, hope they can rebound, especially Adams and Rodgers. Uh, you need those guys to get going here. And there's a chance that Rodgers' performance also knocked you out of the playoffs. So sorry about that. But uh, it tells you with Aaron Rodgers, and we'll talk about Patrick Mahomes, that locking into a quarterback early is maybe not the best strategy to go to because there's a lot of points available at this position, streaming, having a platoon situation. That's a little bit better instead of locking into one starter unless his, his name in 2019 is Lamar Jackson. Everyone else has had up and downs. He's been the only consistent force all season. Now we look on the other side. Dwayne Haskins, touchdown interception there, four sacks. Terry McLaurin actually came through in a tough spot, four for 57 and a TD on seven targets. So really they only threw to four people, him, Chris Thompson, Stephen Sims Jr., and Calvin Harmon. So limited work there but McLaurin was the guy he had to go to Adrian Peterson scored here 20 carries for 76 what else is new Darius Geis however had a 23 yard run also came up playing with the MCL sprain so they could shut him down buzz kill for him because with the knee injury he had returned he looked so good he was averaging 8.4 yards per carry in this game he could have had a big game maybe helped the Redskins even win this one in a 
20 to 15 loss here, but he had to go out. Peterson 20 for 76, taking over. So Peterson still having a lot of value in these better matchups. Uh, it's not the case next week there against the uh, Eagles, so that's a little bit of concern. But overall, without Geis, uh, I think Peterson's going to man. I would expect they shut down Geis here for the rest of the season. But don't forget about Chris Thompson. He is doing the receiving work. So it's down to all really rushing for Peterson here. Thompson was 7 for 43, so he might have some value against the Eagles uh, with no Geis as an option there for this team. So there is a look at four games on the schedule. We still have to get to 10 more here on the show, but uh, first I've got to tell you about Blue Chew. That's right. This episode of Locked on Fantasy Football is brought to you by Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you're always ready to go? We're talking about sex. We're talking about not just good sex, but great sex. Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. All you have to do is go to bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew is going to bring you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take Blue Chew anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since it's a chewable, it can work up to twice as fast as pills, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And if you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the way to go to help you with your follow-through and increase and enhance your performance. And Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office to wait in line at the pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. Blue Chew is made in the USA, and since it prepares and ships direct to you, Blue Chew is cheaper than a pharmacy, and best of all, there's none of that awkwardness there that comes with it. Right now, we've got a special deal for you, the listener to Lockdown Fantasy Football. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll only pay the $5 shipping there. Again, that's BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free now. BlueChew, the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring Lockdown Fantasy Football. We'll be right back here to look at uh, six more games here on the week 14 Sunday NFL schedule. All right, let's uh, continue here. A lot more games to talk about. Still in the 1 p.m. window. We'll pivot to the uh, marquee game here that uh, we've been kind of building up to. This was a fantasy bonanza for most people involved. It was 48-46. The 49ers outlast and uh, beat the Saints here with the last second field goal from Robbie Gold. On the road, what a game here for fantasy. We thought it was going to be a lot more low scoring, maybe half the points for both teams. But, wow, what a, what a good performance by Jimmy Garoppolo and Drew Brees. We didn't love Brees in this matchup, but, boy, did he turn back the clock and they really throw it in everyone's face in here. So, again, this is why sometimes you just stick with a guy if you have Brees. I mean, it's hard. He's been inconsistent. In the better matchups, he, he hasn't come through. and the tough ones, he seems to come through. So, very inconsistent there, but ends up with six total touchdowns, one and a quarterback sneak, 349 and five there. So very good game for Breeze, throwing the ball downfield, got a lot of help. 49ers defense had a lot of trouble covering the main guys here. Jared Cook, two for 64, two touchdowns on his only two targets before he went down and out with a concussion. So he produced big time before departing here. Michael Thomas went back to being Michael Thomas, 11 for 134 and a score. On 15 targets, Traquan Smith pretty much walked in after making one guy miss on his late touchdown to put them ahead, two for 29. Josh Hill, the other touchdown. So you're not necessarily getting the full trust from other receivers, but when Thomas and Cook do their damage here, it's really going to 
show up. We did like Cook this week as Jaquiski Tart was out for the 49ers. He did come through. And Michael Thomas just moved around the formation, got him in better matchups against Kiwan Williams and Kill Witherspoon. Richard Sherman was a little bit banged up in this game. So Thomas and Cook really helped Breeze's day, obviously. The one guy who didn't produce, however, is Alvin Kamara, again, without a touchdown. 17 touches for 43 yards. Yeah, that's not what you're looking for from your first-round pick in this one. Latavius Murray was actually the more effective back overall. So you wonder if Kamara's a little slowed down, the ankle... Or something has happened where he's not as confident running the ball. But certainly doesn't look like the same person that's dominated fantasy football over his first two seasons. From Murray, he ends up with nine touches for 94 yards there. So much more productive day, more than twice what Kamari did yardage-wise. For Murray, it's hard to trust Murray because his, his touches are kind of sporadic from week to week. They were non-existence against Atlanta. So we'll see what happens. They do get the Colts. So... A little bit unpredictable the way they'll go with their game plan in that particular game here in Week 15. But great for the Saints at home. Also great for the 49ers on the road. 349-4. and four. Jimmy Garoppolo did have an interception. Actually went through the hands of Emmanuel Sanders, who you can't fall for anything else because he had 7 for 157 and a score on 9 targets. He also had a 35-yard touchdown pass that he threw to Raheem Mostert. And Raheem Mostert is now the king of this backfield. 12 touches for 109 yards and 2 scores. Matt Breida still looked pretty good in his return here, 6 for 54. But Tevin Coleman, if you've got him, he's out of this mix. He's clearly the third behind Mostert and Breida now. At one point, he may have been the first. Breida was the second. But clearly, Mostert is number one now with the way he's played of late and uh, taking control of this backfield. So you got to like that. You also have to like the fact that Debo Samuel looked good. They're getting him involved in the rushing attack as well. So that put him here over 100 yards. They gave him a 109-yard day with his uh, five catches and two rushes. And George Kittle looked awesome, blew through the defense near the end to set the game winning field goal. Before that, he also had five other catches, six for 67 and a touchdown on eight targets. So the principles for the 49ers all came through. This Tevin Coleman is no longer one of those, and Matt Breida is more a complimentary back to Mostert now. So Mostert, Sanders, Samuel Kittle, this is where this offense is going through mainly here for Jimmy Garoppolo. He's locked in with Sanders and Samuel. Ever since Sanders started to hear and uh, came over the deal from the Broncos, and then Samuel was given the number two job there pretty easily, that's when Jimmy Garoppolo's taken off, and he's now in the conversation as a strong QB1 here going forward. So big year for Jimmy Garoppolo, and what's helped is the 49ers have had a little bit more resistance with their defense struggling and playing some better offenses, and Garoppolo's had to put it up. So can't complain there with anything the 49ers did. They have great momentum for your matchup against the Falcons here at home in Week 15. So great stuff all around from the 49ers, and it should continue with their principles here against Atlanta, another NFC South foe. The next game was the shocker, reality-wise, of the day. I don't know if it's too shocking, given how bad the Texans' defense is on what the Broncos were able to do, but they took control of this game. It was pretty much over until the Texans were able to score uh, 21 garbage points in the second half. But basically, this was a big lead here for the Broncos, put this away pretty easily. The story was Drew Locke, 309 and 3, so another good game. He had multiple touchdowns in his debut against the Chargers. Uh, three touchdowns here, very aggressive, throwing the ball. Noah Fant, 113, caught all of his targets there for a touchdown as well. 
Jeff Hireman, the other tight end, scored. Royce Freeman, welcome back to the end zone. He only had 10 touches for 32, but he scores. Philip Lindsay, 51 yards rushing in a score, as well as a four receiving only. So what's happened with uh, Drew Locke? He's been fearless in throwing the ball downfield, so none of these checkdowns coming to the backs. He's also not locked into Cortland Sutton the way we thought he was. Sutton had two touchdowns. So it was disappointing to see Drew Locke dominate a game. They go on the road. He throws for 300 yards, 38 points, and you have Cortland Sutton with a number so low at 5 for 34. But clearly the Texans were trying to contain Sutton. They used the other receivers and produced. Uh, unfortunately, we have to see Fant had a foot injury coming out of the game, so we'll have to check that out to see if that changes things. But clearly Fant and Locke, Two rookies had a good connection there, so that could change things. They're playing the Chiefs in Arrowhead, which is a lot tougher road game to play here in week number 15. So keep that in mind. Locke, I think, did have value in DFS. This is where you'd like to try to find the values there. And he certainly came through in a matchup that was favorable. We just didn't trust the player necessarily in this one. So, again, Locke has some value, but I would be just be careful about the Chiefs matchup. Chiefs defense is playing very well, and spoiler alert, we'll talk about them a little later in their marquee matchup as well. So Deshaun Watson, it was not the way he expected, but he came through in the end. 292, two interceptions there, but including a pick six, but he had 292 yards, touchdown. He also had uh, 44 rushing yards and two scores on the ground to really save his day. So the game script actually worked in Watson's favor where he had to get up some garbage points. DeAndre Hopkins as well, 7 for 120 and a score there. No Will Fuller. We saw the way this offense operates without Will Fuller. They usually struggle, and that's what you saw in this game, that finding other guys to get open. Kiki Kuti had a bad loss fumble there, 5 for 68. There's part of his day, so tough. The turnovers were just not working here for the Texans. Carlos Hyde, again, this backfield has been a mess. 73 yards rushing for him, 5 receiving. They had Duke Johnson go 6 for 40. Not much running at all. So this is pretty much the Watson and Hopkins show at this offense. They're going to try to get things done as much as possible. Tough matchup with the Titans next week. You figure Watson, who doesn't have two bad games in a row. We've seen that as his MO. But no Fuller, that's a little bit of concerning, but he's going to run and get you that value, and we saw that in this game. The next game we'll talk about is the Lions and Vikings, and really it's a one-sided game here. Not really much to talk about on the one winning side either. Vikings win 20-7 here. Now, it was like a slow grind. It's almost like they didn't want to do too much. They were like, okay, we're, this team's not going to do anything against us. They were up 17-0 at halftime. So it was just easy to just coast in the second half. Uh, Dalvin Cook played through the injury, but you almost wish he didn't because it was 18 for 62, so not the most dominating game. This is where you get into danger. Okay, we said Cook was banged up. We're going to play Alexander Madison if Cook is still active. That's where you're in danger. The game script can sometimes go against you here. The Vikings didn't necessarily dominate to the point where they pulled away enough where you could see the backup running produce here, but... Uh, that was a disappointment here. Kirk Cousins only 242-1. and one. His uh, touchdown was to B.C. Johnson. So not Kyle Rudolph, not Stefan Diggs. All the Diggs, 6 for 92 and 9 targets was pretty good. But first game in a long time that Rudolph did nothing without Adam Thielen, 2 for 11 there. And, uh, again, B.C. Johnson, only one catch, but made a count with a touchdown. So a lot of spreading out here for Kirk Cousins. If you look at it, actually, uh, they had 1, 2, 3, 6. 
nine, 12 people targeted in the passing game. So that's not exactly what you want. If you've got Diggs or Thielen and Cook, you want them to be streamlined. So disappointing game for Cook despite getting the touchdown there. He does get you 75 yards from scrimmage, but banged up. You could see it a little bit. They were contained, almost didn't try to pull away. And Madison did end up with 68 yards on 16 touches, but still not nearly what you're looking for if you started him in a flex spot, especially in a standard league. Now, on the other side, uh, the Lions, uh, David Blau, 205, a touchdown and two interceptions. Bo Scarborough did look pretty good running, but he got hurt late in the game, so only 70 yards from scrimmage for him. Kenny Galladay, this is why you play players sometimes. The talent is just so overwhelming, especially in garbage time with these Lions, that uh, he's going to make a play, and he certainly made one here. Six for 58 on eight targets and a touchdown for Galladay, so another score for him. That's how good Galladay is, folks. I mean, he's a 1,000-yard receiver. He's done it with three different quarterbacks this year. He just continually gets uh, questioned on when the quarterback changed, but I think people just have expect now that he's an elite talent, and that's why he comes through in all these games, no matter what the quarterback situation is or the defense situation is. So playing the Buccaneers is the best matchup of the season. I don't care if Blau's in there. Galladay needs to be in your lineup because he can absolutely smash that game. The next game we'll talk about here is the Dolphins and Jets staying in the 1 p.m. window. And this one, let's take it from the Jets' perspective. No Le'Veon Bell, scratched late with the illness, uh, which we found out later was the flu. So I guess he's not <laughs> well enough to play through the flu and for his fantasy football owners. So Bilal Powell stepped in. He actually couldn't finish the game, came up injured with an ankle and foot injury, but he ends up with a decent 88 yards here from scrimmage, uh, probably what you would have got from Bell, to be honest, the way that Bell has been running and not producing of late. So, But he got hurt, so we'll see about Bell. Short week turnaround, playing the Ravens on the road at home, so or on the road a short week on Thursday. So pretty tough uh, matchup coming up for the whole things in the Jets' offense. This is where their kind of season goes a little tough here to end the season, but uh, Robbie Anderson took advantage of another great matchup. He's been awesome here the past uh, few weeks, 7 for 116 and touchdown on 11 targets, so started him in DFS, very happy about that, and I told you not to play Jamison Crowder. I didn't like his usage of late, and then they mixed in Ty Montgomery, 3 for 30 with uh, Nobel, Demarius Thomas went 2 for 28 and scored. They just haven't thrown a lot to Crowder, little slot shots. I think there's been a directive here for Adam Gaze with Sam Darnold to throw the ball downfield looking for the big plays, and that's why Anderson has been revved up, and the check downs to Crowder have been prevailing, and they're also using Vincent Smith more to stretch the field. So clearly the way they're throwing now, they want Darnold to let it rip, and uh, we've seen that, and he's been more effective when he does that, and that means less of these check downs to Crowder. He doesn't even have to check down when there's the plays available, and that's what happened with the Dolphins. So we'll see in these tougher matchups against the Ravens, but Ravens, again, with their deep secondary, I don't know if I would go anywhere with this Jets receiving core and Darnold here on the short week. Now, on the other side of things for the Dolphins, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 245 weeks. This is the danger of streaming Ryan Fitzpatrick. He can lay an egg at any point. We know he's a streaky guy. 65 yards rushing to lead the team, so that was like his best value. But no scores either way. It was seven field goals by Jason Sanders. Right. When you look at the 21, you're like, okay, who scored? But... Part of the problem is we didn't expect this for 
Fitzpatrick, Devontae Parker went down after only two catches, two targets, 28 yards. He had a concussion. He was knocked out of the game. Albert Wilson was knocked out of the game. So really he was down to Alan Hearns, had to use Isaiah Ford off the bench, who was pretty good, 6 for 92 and 9. But not having Parker, not having Wilson really hurt having the playmakers out. I mean, Patrick Laird, what can you say? If you uh, picked him up, I mean, he got the touches here, 19 touches for 86 yards. So not a bad uh, flex play from Patrick Laird, again, with his involvement, especially in a PPR league with those four receptions. So clearly he's the guy that they're trusting by default, you know, because they traditionally can't run the ball well. I mean, it's Fitzpatrick or nothing here on the ground for them. So Laird has been a good pickup here of late. And again, this is why it's tough to trust Fitzpatrick, especially with the buzzkill of losing Parker. And we'll see if Parker can suit up in a great matchup here against the Giants in week number 15. Now, let's move on to the Colts-Bucks game. And this one was a wild one, too. It was 38-35. It's the Jameis Winston roller coaster ride. He did throw a pick six to Darius Leonard as part of his three interceptions. But... You don't care about his three interceptions when he has 456 yards passing, four touchdowns, a rushing score as well. You're not going to care about those interceptions one bit. Yeah, you'll throw back one touchdown. That's basically what the equivalent is for the six-point-per-touchdown league. You'll take that when he still nets four and 456. So Jameis Winston, a very wild, wild season, potentially 30-30 club, the first man to do that with 30 touchdowns and 30 interception seasons. You have to be very good and very risky and high volume to do that, and he's certainly in the mix to do that with what he's been doing week after week. But fantasy, we don't care. He's the guy. We'll have to see about his right hand injury. He was able to return. The other thing that developed here was Mike Evans. He caught one pass for 61 on his two targets for a touchdown, but at the end of it, we knew it was bad. He came up lame with the hamstring. Looks like he could be shut down here for the rest of the season. So the good news is that Jameis Winston picked it up with other people through to Rashad Perryman, 3 for 70 in a score. Justin Watson, 5 for 59 in a score. Cameron Brait, 4 for 30. O.J. Howard was 4 for 73 again on five targets. And Chris Godwin, of course, now takes over as a clear number one target. 7 for 91, didn't get in the end zone, but looked solid as well. So that was good by Winston. He spread the ball around. He overcame his big mistake, led the game-winning drive late there so actually one of James Winston's better performances the last one we've seen like this was against the Rams coming back and doing all that so when Winston is on it doesn't matter who's out there with Evans down he's going to get the job done you saw that happen in this matchup in the running game Ronald Jones Peyton Barber I mean 36 for Jones 34 Barber you're avoiding this situation down the stretch they simply can't run and pretty much split down the way in receiving as well in this game so Again, we'll see if Evans is out, but Brashad Perryman certainly is intriguing because he's stepped in and played in that spot. We know this is a high-volume passing team, so you have to look at Perryman with Evans out, especially uh, them hurting with Scotty Miller, also the other receiver that they like with a hamstring injury. So they're going to have to use Perryman quite a bit here, the former uh, first-round pick of the Ravens, uh, to be a little bit more effective. I wouldn't extend to Justin Watson, but Perryman and Howard should be the biggest uh, beneficiaries of Evans being out. Now, the next team we'll talk about on the other side of the Colts. When Marlon Mack returned, it was going to be tough. We needed the matchup touchdown dependent. He does get it with only 38 yards rushing, does not get involved in the passing game. So, still hard to trust. They have a tough matchup against the Saints. So, comes down to a touchdown for Mack again in that game. It could be game script where it really doesn't feel in the favor of the Colts. 
Colts defense played as well as it could, but again, they just had to keep throwing 251 and 2. We thought that's what we we're going to get from Brissett. He also gave us 26 yards rushing. Marcus Johnson, 3 for 105 and a score. Zach Pascal, 5 for 74 and a score. The disappointment was Jack Doyle, only 2 for 27 on 6 targets. Despite no T.Y. Hilton in this game, no Eric Ebron, Doyle in a great matchup did uh, definitely disappoint in this game, but Doyle can rebound against the Saints next week, who uh, can be vulnerable against the tight end with their linebackers hurting, and uh, Mack, again, I would have maybe avoided next week, and uh, and Pascal and Johnson are going to have some value potentially with Brissett there in this offense next week. The next game we'll talk about before we take our second break is the Chag... Jaguars and Chargers that we dip into the late window here. 45 to 10. Chargers. I mean, the Jaguars have just been terrible of late. Just can't get anything done. This was Philip Rivers' game, best game in a long time. 314 and 3, no turnovers. Austin Eckler, what can you say? I mean, this guy is a machine. Very Marshall Falk like game for Austin Eckler. I mean, people were on Melvin Gordon DFS, but Eckler was the better play here. 12 touches yep 12 touches for him 101 rushing 112 receiving and a touchdown there so Eckler what a weapon I mean if they want to pivot to him with Melvin Gordon not re-sign him I think they would totally do it Gordon did have 12 for 55 and a score himself 5 for 29 in the catches but Eckler just dominated this Jaguars D just a hard matchup he runs hard he's hard to uh, stop in the open field Chargers do get the Vikings next week it could be a traditional Straight-up hard-running matchup for Gordon. That should help Eckler as well. So he's just such a weapon on this team, and Philip Rivers clearly loves him. And uh, he's just one of the most underrated players we've seen in fantasy, and I think he's uh, creeping into that RB1 conversation. was incredible based on that he was just supposed to be a fill-in here for Gordon early. He's been the better producer since Gordon returned as well. Five for 83 there for Keenan Allen on six targets. Two for 63, and finally a touchdown for Mike Williams. Made the big play, got rewarded finally in the end zone after having 11 last season. So, one, we had to wait till week 14 to get it, but here it is. Hunter Henry, welcome back to the end zone. Only four targets, caught two for 39, but we needed that touchdown from him. Virgil Green pilfered one in garbage time from Tyrod Taylor. That's how easy this game was, that they could have some mop-up time with Taylor behind Rivers. Now for the Jaguars, I mean, this was just terrible. Leonard Fournette, 18 touches for 63. DJ Chark actually was okay, 9 for 75 on 10 targets, but hurt his foot and ankle after the game, so he could be down here the rest of the way. Really doesn't have much value. Gardner Minshew did his best, but tough matchup, 162-1. and They're passing 6 for 31 on the ground. They do get the Raiders next week, so we'll have to watch about Chark's injury. Maybe they use it. A little bit more Chris Conley and Keelan Cole next week, or D.D. Westbrook. They do get the Raiders again. The Raiders, pretty awful secondary, pretty awful run defense at this point, so maybe the Jaguars rebound there. We'll see what happens with Doug Marone. This is five straight games where they've lost by 17 or more points. has been blown out of the building, home or away here. So tough crossroads here for the Jaguars on the offense and the defense. We'll see what they do. But uh, the Raiders uh, could uh, have a get-well game at home. And we'll see about Chark if he doesn't play again. There are some opportunities there against the Raiders with this receiving core and Minshew next week for a potential rebound. So there's a look at uh, those six more games. Uh, we do have uh, four more games to talk about to close Roundup Monday. But first, got to tell you about Casper. The original Casper mattress combines multiple 
supported memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash NFL and using Lockdown NFL at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from Lockdown sponsors at lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. We'll be right back here to uh, break down the final four games of week 14 NFL Sunday. All right, uh, let's uh, stay in the 4 p.m. window, and we'll go to the Chiefs and Patriots. The marquee came from that window. We mentioned the Chiefs' defense. What a game against the Patriots. I know the Patriots' offense is struggling, but Chiefs' defense was giving up a lot on the ground, but they sacked Tom Brady three times, get an interception here. 169 only for Tom Brady, so it didn't come through at all. Only two rushes for 20, including a 17-yard burst. So bad game for him. Not a bad game for Julian Edelman. He's been the only real consistent source here. Eight for 95 for him. Here James White had uh, five catches for 27 to go over to six for 33. So Sonny Michel, these game scripts and the way things are going, they can't power run the ball trailing. It's not going to be good for Sonny Michel in the game. Really screwed him over early once the Chiefs pulled ahead here, had that 17-point second quarter. It was clearly a white game, an Edelman game. Then Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry should have had a touchdown there. Brady should have had a second one, but uh, didn't uh, get called right. They were out of challenges, so disappointing there that if you needed a few more points from Brady or you streamed Harry that you thought you were going to get something. Did not happen in this game. So pretty much Edelman is the guy that you can trust most in the Patriots offense. They do get the Bengals on the road, but again, their defense could dominate that game and they could be very careful. Maybe Sonny Michelle rebounds in that game with a chance with positive game script, but it's hard to trust this passing game because you're not sure where things are going to happen. And we know in a game like that against the Patriots are going to win with running game defense, special teams. I don't think Brady's going to have to put all that up to beat the Bengals next week. So Maybe they can rest him a little bit with toe hurting, the elbow hurting. Had to be iced after the game. I think they could uh, make that pivot there with the Michelle. So if you've somehow survived that zero, basically, from Sonny Michelle, get to the next round, I think there are some opportunities there, obviously, with the Bengals in Cincinnati next week and their awful run defense. So with the Chiefs, uh, disappointing for them as well. Patrick Mahomes was hurting, too, with his right hand, 283. Touchdown interception there, so pretty pedestrian game for Mahomes overall. They really contained Travis Kelsey in previous matchups, but 7 for 66 here on 9 targets. He also had the direct snap touchdown, which was nice there, so that hurt uh, Patrick Mahomes where that wasn't a passing score for him. Tyreek Hill was contained, 6 for 62. Second straight quiet game post-hamstring here for Tyreek Hill, so hopefully things will get better against Denver, but... Tricky secondary he did uh, burn them for a big play in, in the last game, so we'll see about that. Nicole Hardman, a 48-yard, beautiful touchdown there. Sammy Watkins did a little bit more, but not enough, 4 for 50 and 8. So overall, this offense is sputtering. They didn't have uh, one uh, Damien Williams. They didn't have Darrell Williams, who was out for the season. So the running game struggled here, 11 for 39 for McCoy. Spencer Ware, 5 for 11. Darwin Thompson, 4 for 7. Did catch 4 for 36 here, but... Overall, if you didn't have a chief named Travis Kelsey, you were disappointed in this game. Tough matchup. Defensively, Denver is a little bit better at home. Matchup there for the Chiefs should rebound in that spot. Patriots certainly are definitely going to rebound against the Bengals on the road. Now, the next game we'll talk about is the Steelers and Cardinals. And let's look at this one. 
23-17 to 17 is the final, kind of exactly where we thought it would be. The Steelers get a TD passing here from Devin Hodges, but really it was a field goal fest otherwise uh, there for Pittsburgh. Uh, I like Chris Boswell streamed him here. The Cardinals do give up a lot of field goals indoors, liked him, and he came through a lot in this one, but... Looking at their offense, I mean, Hodges, 152 there. They were just playing very conservative with their defense, playing very well. Benny Snell didn't look good. He lost a fumble here, 16 for 41. So they thought he did something. Kareth White became the hot hand that they trusted, 5 for 41. So this backfield is an absolute mess without James Conner. Speaking of James, James Washington was a little bit disappointing. He did catch all four of his targets for thirds of the yards, but some penalties there that could have uh, made his day bigger, brought him down. Deontay Johnson instead did the damage here with a punt return touchdown and uh, and the receiving score. He was the dominant force here for the Steelers. Six for 60, the rookie really came through, kind of like Emmanuel Sanders did in the past uh, with his special teams and uh, scoring on the outside. So again, he took away what Washington could have happened here. Then Vance McDonald in that smash matchup didn't get involved too much. Then he was lost with the concussion. So there goes the Cardinals tight end theory it's happened again before with the Bengals matchup it happened again in the Steelers matchup now with the Cardinals looking at them uh, nothing to see here in the running game David Johnson randomly caught a touchdown here to help them at receiver but nothing else Kirk Christian Kirk 8 for 85 Kenny Drake had uh, 14 touches for 67 so just ugly overall Kyler Murray we wanted to avoid him and it was worthy he didn't run at all in this game at three picks, two yards rushing, 194, and two TDs. So disappointing game as we expected for one Kyler Murray. Now the next game we go to is the Titans and Raiders. And uh, this one, I mean, 42-21, the Titans double up the Raiders here. So when you look at that, Tannehill, 391-3, and three, another great game. I mean, he just takes it to another level, 14.5 yards per attempt here course this is predicated on the dominant running game which they had here with Derrick Henry the manager's touches a little bit with a hamstring injury didn't want to overwork him pulled him out late he should be okay here bigger game next week uh, against the Texans after they put this game away there's no reason to risk Henry so get him a little bit extra rest 18 for one of three two scores here so he's been a machine 100 yards and the score four straight games Tannehill multiple touchdown machine ever since he took over and we hinted at A.J. Brown. We knew this breakout game was coming at some point. The connection was being warmed up, and it exploded here. Five for 153 and two scores for A.J. Brown, including a 91-yarder that was pretty there by Tannehill, leading him downfield, seven targets. So he's the leader of this receiving core. Johnny Smith actually scored here. They actually threw to Anthony Ferkser. A touchdown was called back. Tight end by committee, receiving core by committee. And uh, it was a tough to see there in this matchup for sure. And you definitely think they will keep it going against the Texans, who just allowed that big game to Drew Locke and everything in the Broncos' offense at home there in Week 15. Now, the Raiders' side of things, I mean, this is getting terrible here. Derek Carr didn't play well. He ended up with 263-2, which is okay for fantasy, but... Overall, not great. He got the ball to Baron Waller, 6 for 73. There, did lose a fumble, so a little bit of a tough game for Waller. But they had uh, different guys in the mix. You had uh, Gafford and uh, Tyrell Williams kind of fading out of this. Keelan Doss not doing much. Tyrell Williams has really done nothing. No Hunter Renfro in this game. They also didn't have Josh Jacobs, so 
What we did learn is that uh, DeAndre Washington is the uh, guy that they're looking at to replace Josh Jacobs as the direct replacement. 14 for 53 in a ground score, 6 for 43 in the passing game. So Jalen Rashard, very limited change of pace. Well, it was clear that Washington was the straight-up backup here, which we wanted to know. We didn't know exactly what would happen if Jacobs missed time. Now Jacobs could be shut down. So tough to see that happen here with uh, this game. It was a late scratch. We thought so with his no practice status with the shoulder. So we'll have to watch that going forward, but it's very iffy for him now for the Raiders. And Raiders is becoming a team you want to avoid as much as possible other than Darren Waller and maybe Washington if you need him with uh, Jacobs out going forward. Now let's go to our final game, Sunday Night Football. The Seahawks Disappointing game for Russell Wilson. He doesn't have a touchdown pass, and that is brutal at this time of year. 245 interception. The Seahawks just couldn't get the ball going. They only had 12 points in this game. They had a 15 for 76 for Chris Carson. Rashad Penny goes down with a major knee injury here early. Looked good after a 16-card catch, but that was it for him. So Carson, get, go figure. The guy who fumbles, the guy who's not as active he is the guy that stays healthy through the entire year so he puts up a 91 yard day no touchdowns there for them their only touchdown came on a pick six of jared goff of all things so there's that dk metcalf six for 78 caught all of his targets look pretty good again the rookie been pretty solid as a wide receiver three tyler lockett however with wilson being off he hasn't had that many great games here over the last month four for 43 only for uh, tyler Lockett, so he doesn't look right maybe coming back from that injury that they've tried to grind him through a little bit. Overall, these other guys are underwhelming. Josh Gordon, 2 for 34 and 5, 4 for 34 and 6 for Jacob Hollister. So DK Metcalf has been the most consistent receiver. Chris Carson still what they're doing, but not a team built to play from behind, and you saw that in this game. This first game, non-one-possession game for the Seahawks, and it was really bad for them this week. Now, finally, we look at the Rams here. Another good game for Jared Goff. He was at home, 293. Did have the two interceptions, including pick six, but 22 of 31 there. Todd Gurley looked good again, 23 of 79. A touchdown. You could have used that other touchdown that Malcolm Brown got early in the game, but, but again, Gurley came through. He's been a lot better here in the last few weeks. Robert Woods finally found the end zone as well, 98 Yards on seven catches for nine, uh, seven for 116 for Tyler Higby on 11 targets again. So another big game for Higby. He's here to stay as part of this offense with Gerald Everett out, and Brandon Cook's pretty much not active. He's out there running routes but not doing anything. So more as a decoy. So now it's the Woods Cup and Higby show. Cup, welcome back to the end zone. Caught all four targets for 45 and a score. So that's where it's going. Cooks is unusable at this point. Woods is their best receiver. Cup is and Higby are playing off that with Everett out. And Gurley certainly have a lot of value. So the Rams, not exactly what we thought they were, but uh, doing things here to produce, and that's what we like to see. And get the Cowboys this week, and they're reeling defense. So same principle, guys. Apply Woods, Cup, Higby, and Goff and Gurley that you can trust in that matchup coming forward. And the Seahawks should rebound as well. Big game for Carson probably against the Panthers and Wilson, a team that he carves up as well in Week 15. So there you have it. There's a look at all the important takeaways from uh, fantasy football there on Week 14.
15 Sunday action. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with Pickup Tuesday, a look at the Giants-Eagles game for Monday night, as well as waiver wire for Week 15.